This is Made to Conquer, a podcast designed to inspire you to have a deep relationship with Jesus. Jesus told us to make every effort to enter through the narrow door so that when we stand before him, we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Made to Conquer. This is Tiana Showy, and welcome to this episode. This is actually what I would call officially episode one, because the first two episodes, I took the time just to share my testimony with you, my story. I think it's important if you're going to sit and hear somebody teach the word of God that you understand who they are, what their motive is, and where they come from, because not everybody, and we're going to talk about this extensively throughout this podcast, but not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, belongs to the kingdom and not everybody who teaches the word of God teaches the word of God uh, through his spirit and in the way he intended it to be spoken. And we're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, so, you know, the, the purpose for this podcast and the whole reason why I started this is I really have a heart and, and, and passion because of the things that the Lord's ministered to me over the past several years to draw people into a relationship with Jesus. And, as I mentioned in the first two episodes, and if you're brand new to this podcast, welcome. You do not need to listen to the first two episodes to catch up to where we are here. I just simply shared my story with you, but we're going to start from scratch here. And the topic of today's episode is that God is good. And I wanted to start with that because I think it's important to have a foundational understanding of these things before we move into the deeper waters. And again, I started this because when you look at the teachings of Jesus and you read them and you see, first of all, he makes it clear that very, very few people actually make it into heaven. He said, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to life and few find it. And he also says, many will say to me on that day, but Lord, Lord, did we not sit at your table? Did we not prophesy in your name? And I'm taking two passages from two parts of the gospels and combining them there, but for the general idea, which is a lot of people are going to think that they are, have made their way into heaven. And he's going to say, away from me, you evil doers, for I never knew you. So I have a big passion and a big heart to lead people into an intimate relationship with Jesus. So you hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you're not amongst those who consider themselves saved, but don't know Jesus. And that's why I'm sharing this. That's why I'm doing this is I want to, I want to ideally open God's word and allow you to see the fullness of who Jesus is and the intimacy and the relationship we're to have with him. So the reason that I, you know, as, as I was praying about this and asking the Lord, what, what's the first topic you want me to cover? The reason that I wanted to start off with God is good is because we live in a day and age where the world is changing. I'm recording this in January of 2021. And I think we're just beginning to see the tip of the iceberg. In other words, I think there's going to be a lot more change that occurs in our world. And, and I posted a video on social media this morning where I talk about the fact that I believe Christian persecution is about ready to rise, but I don't think that's a bad thing. And if you look throughout the Bible, obviously nobody wants to be persecuted, but Jesus said, if you're my disciples, you're going to be persecuted because if the world hated me, they're going to hate you. So it was unrealistic to expect that you're going to be a Christian and not face any persecution. It's just unbiblical if you think that you're going to be a Christian and not face persecution. But it's not that. It's that God you know, as Romans tells us, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so we're going to, we're going to look at all these things. We're going to open the word of God and we're going to see God's truth and learn to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we see things through God's eyes and not through man's eyes. And that's the whole purpose of this is to open the, the word of God 
and ideally allow you to see who the Holy Spirit is and, and how having a relationship with him is truly the only way to walk victoriously in this life. So it starts off with just believing God is good. And the most, the most dangerous thing that we face today, and you know, going back to what I was saying about how the world is changing is misinformation. You see, the Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. And the way that Satan has successfully managed to, or I should, let me rephrase this because God is sovereign. And so nothing happens on this planet apart from God's sovereignty. But, you know, the way, the way that Satan works against God is to lie about God, to lie about his people, to lie about who God really is. And I saw somebody say, and I agree with this, that historians are going to look back on this time and call this the, the, the great information war. There's so much misinformation and there's so much conflicting information happening in the world today. And the same is true for Christianity. And in my prior podcast, I made comments about rig- religianity, fakianity, churchianity, because one of the biggest deceptions that Satan has created is religion and churchianity, fakianity, an opportunity or a way around having a relationship with Jesus. And again, you have to remember that the entire power to walk as a Christian and, and the entire purpose is all found be, by being filled with God's Holy Spirit. And if Satan can keep you from being filled with God's Holy Spirit, he can effectively deceive you into a false sense of security to where you will be one of those who stands before Jesus and hears, away from me, for I never knew you. And so the first, you know, the first lie that I want to debunk that Satan tells people is about the goodness of God. And, you know, it's interesting because the scripture that I really use to kind of start this comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. And the scripture is without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. So you have to have the faith to believe that he exists. But then here's the second part. You don't, you don't just have to have faith that he exists, but you also have to have faith that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And a reward means that he's good. And so the, in order to have any sort of genuine relationship with God, you have to believe that he's good. And it, that can be challenging. It doesn't seem like it's challenging. You know, you can say in, in theory, oh, yes, you know, God is good. But then why are there children who are beaten and tortured? And why, you know, why have these bad things happened in my life? And why is there injustice in the world if God is good, right? And that's, you know, that is how Satan distracts us from understanding who God really is. Or perhaps it's an area of sin in our life where God's saying, hey, listen, if you let go of this sin, I've got something better for you. But we don't want to let go of it because it's really comfortable. We all have that. I wish I could stand here and tell you I don't, but I do. I've had those areas in my life where I have taken a little bit longer than I should have to let go of it because I was under the deception that the sin that I was holding on to was more pleasurable than being in the presence of God and giving the Holy Spirit that additional space in my life. Because again, the more room you make for the Holy Spirit, the more room he's going to take up. We're going to talk about this in a little more detail, but Jesus says, ask and you will find, excuse me, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. And what he's talking about is he's talking about the presence of God in your life. The more that you invite the Holy Spirit, the more room he'll take, but you have to give him that space. A.W. Tozer wrote a great book called How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a little booklet. It takes, took me, I don't know, 20 minutes to read it. 
And he talks about creating a space where the Holy Spirit wants to dwell. And that space means you have a heart that is humble before the Lord, you invite him in, but that you also don't allow things like sin to prevent him from wanting to come into your space. You know, God, God will exist with your sin. Trust me, he, he will slowly root it out of you. But in order to truly embrace everything that the Holy Spirit has, you have to be willing to give up that sin. So the willingness to give up the sin, the willingness to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the willingness to step outside of the way the world thinks and to be different all comes from the belief, the faith that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, that he is good. And that's why I wanted to start off this podcast with God is good. That is the basic foundation. You have to understand that Satan is going to tell you, sin is going to tell you that he's not. Sin is going to tell you that God's not fair, that he's unjust, that he doesn't really love you. You know, that's something I had to go through, you know, journey on and, and we'll do a whole podcast on that where I, I doubted God's love for me because I had so much trauma in my past. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, how can you go out and teach people the love that I have for them if you don't? believe in the love that I have for you. <laughs> and so, you know, breaking through the lies and, and renewing our mind means that we have to come face to face with the misconceptions we have about God. Now, here's the thing. Corinthians tells us we only know in part, we only see in part, and we only understand in part. We're never going to fully grasp God. This is not an intellectual exercise. This is a spiritual exercise. But the way that we enter into that spiritual place and give God the space in our life become, starts with opening up our minds. That's why the Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you're able to test his will. So God is good. Now this has been, oh my gosh, as I sat down and I was like, okay, what scriptures do I use to demonstrate that God is good? I, there's so many. There's just so many. Like I didn't even know where to begin. We could, I could, I could talk for hours and hours and hours because just about every page of the Bible talks about God's goodness. So I've decided to focus on a few key things, but I want to say, you know, as we go into this topic and as we open up the, the word of God together, that I'm just scratching the surface of talking about God's goodness. N nothing demonstrates more how much God loves us than the fact that Jesus willingly sacrificed himself so we could be with him for all of eternity. What makes Christianity unique from every other religion on the earth is that every other religion on the earth is about modifying your behavior to be good enough for God. Christianity says God came down to mankind. He initiated it and he made the way. Our response is to submit and to be humble and to trust him. And that's why it says it is without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So you know, the, the deception that we're under, the first scripture that I want to go, go to with you guys is Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Why, why am I throwing this in the middle of a podcast about God being good? Because the first thing that we have to acknowledge is that we have misunderstandings about God. We have misunderstandings about who he is, and we have misunderstandings about the way that things should be done. And this is even more prevalent or, or more, I should say, relevant in today's day and age when we are faced with so much misinformation and the culture and government are kind of going in all kinds of different directions. And we're seeing things that are not unprecedented, by the way. Um, 
if, if you've ever read your Bible, nothing that's happening today hasn't already happened. As Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> but it's important to understand that, you know, be willing to admit that you have misunderstandings and mis about who God is. That there, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. So I wanted to start off with that by just saying, understand that that you don't think it just like, like I quoted in Corinthians early earlier. We only see in part, we only know in part, we only understand in part. So having faith means trusting God, especially when it doesn't make sense. One of my favorite stories about having faith and trusting God, because again, without faith, it is impossible to please God, is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because here you have government oppression at its finest. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar resurrects a statue. And what is the first commandment? You know, so, so you have to remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are Jewish. And so they are living under the old covenant, the Old Testament commandment, which is the first is you shall have no other gods before me. And so now they're being told by the government that they have to bow down to the statue. They have to violate the first commandment or they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. That doesn't sound like a good situation for God to put his people in. I mean, how, how can a good God put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into that position, right? And yet one of the most astounding miracles of the Old Testament occurs as a result of their faithfulness. So Nebuchadnezzar is so angry at them that he's like, crank up the heat to a level it's never been hot. Like he almost sends you bad boys. It's so hot that the soldiers throwing them into the fiery furnace die. And they look and there's four people walking around in the fire. Now, thankfully, we know the fourth is Melchizedek. And if you know your Bibles, you know Melchizedek, Melchizedek is Jesus. And Melchizedek makes, makes his grand entrance with Abram. And then we later learn in the book of Hebrews that you know, that's Jesus. And so Jesus is walking around the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not only does he save them, but the Bible goes as far as saying not a, not a hair on their head was singed. They went, they went into a furnace that, that soldiers died putting them into, and not a hair on their head was singed. It didn't look like when they were being thrown into the furnace, God was good. It didn't. But guess what? He was. And he, and he performed a, a miracle that was undeniable in front of all of the people who were bowing to a statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Another great example of this is a hard one. It's a hard pill to swallow, but it's really important is the life of Stephen. If you go to the book of Acts, we have this story about Stephen and he's, you know, one of, one of the disciples. And this, the story is in Acts chapter eight. Well, Acts chapter seven, I should say. And it, and it ends right right at the beginning of Acts chapter 8. And what happens in this story is Stephen's preaching the gospel. They don't like it. They stone him. And as, he, as he's falling, he says, Father, forgive them. And then he dies. And then the very next scripture, which starts, you know, well, Paul is standing there approving it. Saul, his name was Saul at the time, Paul, our apostle, standing there approving it. So, okay, wait, wait, wait. This doesn't look good. We now have our first martyr, or at least documented martyr in the Bible. He dies. An evil man named Saul is giving, giving approval. And the next scripture is then the disciples were scattered. But if you read just a few verses down, it says, then they started preaching the gospel everywhere they went. What looked like it was defeat, what looked like it was bad, ended up being a great tool that God used to spread the gospel throughout the area. And then Peter and John show up and start baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. And it, it's just, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful example of how good God is. 
But if you were to look at those situations through the lens of the lies of Satan, you would say, God is not good. How, how, why would he kill Stephen? Why would he allow that to happen? Why would he disperse his disciples? But we see a little bit further down the road why he did. Remember that it is through relationship that we truly begin to understand how God is good. It is through being transformed by the renewing of our mind that we see things through the lens of heaven and understand that God is good. You are not going to be able to wrap your brain around the circumstances that happen in your life or in the lives of others around you and see the goodness of God apart from the spirit of God. Because you're always going to see things through the lens of your human experience and your human understanding of what is good and what is bad instead of through God's understanding of what is good and bad. Because remember, God's value system is not your value system. God's value system is to bring heaven to earth. God's value system is to populate heaven. His value system is not to have a comfortable life on earth. Now he does some give that to some people, but that's not ultimately what he's looking for. What he's looking for is people that he can reward with eternal blessings, not just temporary blessings. So, you know, the key, as I said before, to having a genuine relationship with the Lord is being filled with his spirit. But to be filled with his spirit, you have to have faith that he exists, and then you have to desire it. So I want, I want to go and I want to spend some time in Matthew chapter 6, because I think this is an important chapter for us to go through, and, and we're going to read through a lot, large passage of scripture here. Because again, we're, we're, we're on the theme, God is good. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. And I'm reading out of the New International Version. About, so therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It is, not, is life not more than food and the body not more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? He says, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? This is so true. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Now, here's the most important part of this passage. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You have to believe that God wants to give you these things. You have to believe that he cares about you. You have to believe that he has your best interests in mind to seek first the kingdom. That is the foundation to being a Christian is, is believing, you know, Jesus, the disciples continued to question, not, not who Jesus was. I mean, you know, they, they kind of figured out he was God, but what he was capable of, they continued to question that. And Jesus kept, kept demonstrating power, a miracle after miracle after miracle. It's, it's astounding. If you read you know, it's, it's easy to armchair quarterback when it comes to looking at the disciples and kind of picking it on Peter a little bit, although I probably would have made all the same mistakes Peter made, plus some. It's easy to look at them and go, how could you guys have questioned Jesus after he just did that miracle or that miracle or that miracle or that miracle? And 
but yet we struggle with the same thing. Even the disciples who were with Jesus day in and day out struggled with this concept. So the question I have for you right now is where in your life do you not believe what Romans 8.28 says, which is that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Where are you not trusting God? Where do you not believe that he is good? Lack of faith and lack of trust comes from lack of belief that God is good. If you believe God is good and you truly genuinely believe that in the core of your soul, then why would you have any doubts? Why would you lack trust for him? So in Matthew chapter 6, 25, you know, Jesus tells us when, when you make the kingdom your first priority, when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, everything else is taken care of. That is the promise of God that he's given us. And as we go on this journey and, we, and, and as we talk about entering into an intimate relationship with the Lord, you have to start off with that foundation of believing that he is good and that your definition of good and your understanding of circumstances is not always God's perspective. And we oftentimes look at the things in our life and we say, but God, how could you have let that happen? But how is that fair? It's because you're not seeing the full picture. And like I said with Corinthians, we only see in part, we only know in part, we only understand in part. You just have to have faith. You just have to trust. That's a whole chapter 11 of if Hebrews is about that, you know, is about that concept of, of what is made was made out of what is not seen. We, are, we have to go beyond our human understanding. We have to go beyond what seems rational and normal to enter into the kingdom. I could... I could go through psalm after psalm after psalm that reiterates this, and I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But one of the things I wanted to to talk about, you know, again, and, and this comes from the book of John, chapter 10, verse 14. Jesus tells his disciples, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for my sheep. To experience the goodness of God and to truly live in it. By the way, you, you, don't, you don't get to claim the promises of God and then not follow the rules. You don't get to say, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I'm going to have good things happen in my life, but then not give the Holy Spirit space in your life. Jesus says, my sheep know me. So I want to take a second to talk about this because this is really, really important. The only way that you can walk this Christian life and be known by Jesus so you don't hear the words, away from me, you evildoer, for I never knew you, is to be in fellowship with Jesus. This is not, I'm not here to lay a guilt trip on you. I am not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to invite you to the table. I'm here to invite you to the goodness of God. I'm here to invite you to all the things that I have just been talking about, the goodness of God. I'm here to invite you to that place. But that, but that comes with surrendering yourself and, and making space for the Holy Spirit in your life. And that comes with, and Jesus tells us that comes with spending time in prayer, in the word, with the Lord. One of the things that's really dangerous about religianity, churchianity, and fakianity is that it allows you to think that if you go to church, then you've filled your quota. Or if you uh, read your little devotional, you've filled your quota. Be weary of any formulaic answer to the Christian life. 
this is a relationship. It is not a formula. It is not about dotting your I's and crossing your T's. It's about getting on your knees and surrendering your heart. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. That's from Psalm 73. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart because from it flows the fountain of life. It is, it is really, really important that you check your heart and that you sit in the presence of the king and read your Bibles every day. Because it is through reading your Bible, it is through prayer that that transformation occurs. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because then you will be able to test God's will. That transformation occurs in prayer and in reading your Bible. So if you are not a Christian who prays regularly and reads your Bible regularly, I would invite you to to get back into that place with the Lord, because all of these things, all of these promises are conditional. And that condition is that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You have to earnestly seek him. Here's the great thing. If you don't have the motivation, if you don't have that understanding, Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. You know, as I was beginning this journey, and, uh, and I was, as I was learning to allow God to transform my heart and learning to hunger after him, I would ask him, I would, I would beg him, Lord, show me how to have intimacy with intimacy with you. Show me the areas in my life where I've created idols, where I've allowed sin to take the place that you belong in my heart. Open your Holy Spirit to me, pour it out upon me. And Jesus said, whatever you ask for in my name, I will give you. And he's not saying whatever, but he's saying when you're plugged into the vine, if you take that, that scripture, whatever you ask for in my name, I will give you. It is in the context of being plugged into the vine. When you are asking from a pure heart, from a place of longing to be with Jesus, he will respond in kind. And, and earnest, you know, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Read your Bibles every day. So one of the things that I did, you know, as the Holy Spirit started to lead me on this journey is I started reading a Psalm a day. I started off with that. Now I read much more than that. Currently, you know, when I spend time with the Lord in the morning, I start off with a Psalm and here's, here's kind of my little trick, by the way, I read the Psalm where the number ends in the day of the week we're in. So today, for example, it's January 9th, 2021. I read Psalm 119 because it ends in nine. Tomorrow is January 10th. I'm going to read Psalm 120. And I just read a Psalm a day. And as soon as I finish it, I go right back to the beginning. Now, when I fall on a day where, you know, we have like, for example, the 31st and it starts again on the first, I just read that Psalm twice. It is amazing what will happen to the way that you think when you read a Psalm a day. The Psalms are just filled with God's promises, filled with, with life transforming words. There's so, I mean, I, I just, I get so excited when I, when I go through the Psalms, they're so beautiful. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. I mean, they're, you know, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. There's so many beautiful things. Psalm 84, I love this. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. That's Psalm 84, verses 1 and 2. That is the kind of passion that God will ignite in you when you surrender yourself to him and when you spend time with him and you seek him. My brothers and sisters, I can tell you this much. We are called to have a passionate, intimate, beautiful, deep, relationship with the Lord. My sheep know me and they know my voice. The way that you know Jesus and you know his voice is to spend time with him. 
And the reason if, if you don't have, if you're not filled with God's spirit right now, or you don't have that desire, you just don't melt in the presence of God. And it's not always an emotional experience, but it is oftentimes an emotional experience. Remember, God is also, also the creator of emotion. And if you read through the Psalms, you'll see David had a very emotional relationship with God. He was even criticized when the, the Ark of the Covenant was coming into Jerusalem and he was dancing and his wife, Micah, the, the daughter of Saul, looked at him and she despised him for the way he was behaving. And he says, I will become even more undignified than this. That will be the heart of any Christian. When you, when you are walking with God and you are intimate with him, you will know what it means to say, I will become even more undignified than this because your love and your zeal for the Lord is so powerful. But that comes by faithfully showing up every day and asking the Holy Spirit to fill you, asking the Holy Spirit to lead you. You know, it's, it's interesting in the book of, of Romans, or excuse me, Revelation. If you, go to, if you go to the first few chapters in Revelation, where Jesus has his letters to the churches, he ends the, the letter to the church in Ephesus, chapter 2. Whoever has, hear, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To, to the church in Smyrna, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church in per, of Pergamum, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What Jesus is saying is that you have a choice as to whether or not you're going to hear what God is saying to you. And so my prayer was, God, let me have ears to hear what you have to say. And through that process, you begin to see the goodness of God. So I want to close on Psalm 23, because I think this is a really important way to, you know, to close up the goodness of God. Like I said, it is so hard. This is such a big topic to tackle that I cannot possibly do it in one podcast, but I wanted to, to, to stop and just give you a taste. And I wanted to share with you what it is to, to be transformed and the process that you go through. It starts with saying, I don't, I don't really understand, but I'm going to do this because I trust you, God. And then learning to ask him, fill me, give me ears to hear, under, help me to understand and distinguish your spirit. One of the gifts of the spirit is the distinguishing of spirits. Because remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood. And so to enter into that place where you're in genuine relationship with the Lord, you have to believe he exists and you have to believe he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So as I was saying, and I'm going to close in Psalm 23 here in just a second, but you know, the, the way that I have learned to seek the Lord is to spend a lot of time in his word. And one of the biggest gifts that he gave me was I just decided to start fresh with the way I approach reading the Bible. I've been taught the Bible my whole, my whole life. You know, as I mentioned, I grew up in a Christian home. I spent some time away from the Lord, but I grew up in a church that really taught the word of God. I'm very fortunate to have a very strong foundation of the scripture, but I decided I wanted the Holy Spirit to teach me the Bible. And that doesn't mean, you know, it's really interesting because if you read in the book of Hebrews, you know, the, the author of the book of Hebrews tells them, Hey, listen, Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Don't get deceived by, you know, teachings, you know, false teachings of Jesus. But I, I wanted I wanted to hear God's spirit speak to me and minister to me. So I just I started off with a brand new Bible, no underlying, no highlights, no notes, just me and the Holy Spirit. And my daily regimen of reading, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying this to show you, you know, when when you truly surrender and the Holy Spirit allows, you know, you allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you, you'll you'll hunger for his word. And I try to look at, I'm terrible about telling you like, this is what passage and this is where, because I look at the word of God as a whole and, and chapters and verses are great as references, but I want to see God. I want to see the whole word of God. But I start off by reading a Psalm a day. I mentioned that already. 
And then I read through the gospels. So I'm, I read, you know, somebody once said to me, read until the Holy spirit speaks to you. And so sometimes I stop at the end of a chapter. Sometimes I don't, I, you know, I read until the Holy spirit speaks to me. So I'm reading, I constantly read through the gospels. So I go from a Psalm, I go over to the gospels. And then as soon as I finish John, I start back off with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and just keep it. It's amazing. I've read through the gospels many times over the past couple of years, and I still see new stuff. Every time I read through it, the Holy spirit ministers. I read through one book of the New Testament. So, you know, currently I am reading through the book of Romans and I'm also reading through the book of Acts because I love the book of Acts. Then I switch over to the prophets. I'm currently in the book of Malachi and Ezekiel. And then I switch over to Joshua right now is the passage that I'm in. And so I read from all of those parts of the Bible every day. And again, I'm not saying this to brag or to, to give you a formula. Like I said, run from formulaic, you know, any, any formula for Christianity, but I'm saying this just to share with you, you know, you should, you should be reading your Bible. The things that the Lord has spoken to me and taught me, you know, is, is a lot of the reason why I'm doing this podcast have been so profound by just opening my mind and my heart to his word. It's, it's so deep. It's so profound. You know, the Bible is, you know, is, as we're told a living, it's a, it's living. And in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, you know? So this is, this is, we have direct access. I, I often think of Watchman Nee, and if you don't know his story, it's a really powerful story, but he was a prisoner and he didn't have the Bible, but he managed to have this amazing relationship with the Lord. And I'm so grateful that I live in a time where I have a Bible in my hands. There are believers today who live in countries like China who don't have Bibles, who don't have the gift of the word of God in at their fingertips. So don't take that for granted and read your Bibles. And again, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this to exhort you. I'm saying this to invite you into the presence of God, because if you spend time being transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that renewing comes from praying, asking the Holy spirit to transform you. And by reading his word, it, it will change your life forever. God is good. And he will reward you. If you earnestly seek him, if you seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, everything else will be added unto you. And David tells us this Psalm in Psalm 23, and I want to close with this. We all, we've all heard this, but I want you to hear this through the lens of God is good, genuinely, genuinely good. And he keeps his promises. Doesn't always look like the way we think. And that, that's even addressed in Psalm 23, which is why I think it's such a beautiful Psalm that summarizes so well how good God is. But in order for Psalm 23 to be a, real, a reality in your life, you have to be under the shepherd, you have to be under the, the, the shepherdhood of Jesus. You have to have submitted yourself to him. And in future podcasts, we're going to talk more about pressing into the Lord and, and de delving into relationship. I really started to touch on that today, but we're just getting started. I mean, God is so much more profound than imaginable. And so this is going to be an exciting journey. We'll never run out of things to talk about so long as God calls me to do this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, nothing. You lack nothing when the Lord is your shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, which by the way, oil is representation of the Holy Spirit. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness 
and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is a summary of what it means to be a Christian. He's going to give you rest. He's going to give you peace. He's going to give you water. He's going to restore your soul. He's going to guide you along the right paths. And when you walk through the valleys, and we're going to walk through the valleys, we are promised to walk through the valleys. We don't have to fear because God is going to be with us. His rod and his staff are going to comfort us. And when we are faced with enemies, when Nebuchadnezzar says bow, when Cyrus says you can't pray anymore, when the Roman government says you can't preach the gospel anymore, when you're thrown in jail, when you're beaten, when you're stoned to death, when you are accused falsely because of Jesus, I will fear no evil because you are with me and your rod and your staff will comfort me. And you will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We may not see justice this side of eternity. We may not see the things that we define as what, what would be called justice and, and fair retribution. But we will at some point. At some point, we get to spend eternity with our king. And here's the most beautiful part about this. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My friends, God is good. When we don't see it, and when we don't understand it, and when we don't feel it, and when we don't hear it, I'd encourage you to press into Jesus. Those are the times when it's time to get on your knees. Those are the times when it's time to get into the presence of God, because you, you need to re, be reconnected with that rod and that staff. And do not let the enemy lie to you about who God is and about his goodness. Do not let your expectations of what you want for your life to override what God has for your life and what he's going to produce through you and in you. So thank you for tuning in to our first official episode. I felt like this was an important foundation to start off with because everything else we're going to talk about has to begin with your belief that God is good and that everything he's going to ask you for, everything he's going to ask you to surrender is not because he wants to take things away from you, not because he wants you to be miserable, not because he wants you to suffer, but because he has something better for you. My favorite parable, and you're going to hear me quote this a lot because I think it's such a profound parable, is the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a treasure buried in a field. And he went and sold everything he had to buy that field because he understood that what he found in that treasure was more valuable than anything he could possibly possess. You have found a treasure. If you're listening to this and you're hearing these words, you have found a treasure that is more valuable than anything you could possibly possess. And when you understand that that treasure is the goodness of God and you are willing to give everything up in your life for it, what you will get in return is more than you can ever imagine. And I'm telling you this from a place of experience. As a person who tried to run after the world, who, who believed the lies of Satan, who was the true prodigal son, I can tell you that there is nothing more beautiful than when your father meets you in the field and he puts a robe over your shoulders, a ring on your finger, and sandals on your feet. And that's just the beginning. We have no clue <laughs> how good it's going to be when we are faithful to him who overcomes. Jesus says in, in the book of Revelation, and I read you a little bit from those chapters, but he has so many good promises for us. And the will to give up the things that we have to give up 
comes from the Holy Spirit, but also comes from us giving the Holy Spirit a place in our life because we believe he's good and we believe he's going to fulfill those promises. So thank you for tuning in. This has been episode one of Made to Conquer. And in the next episode, we're going to go even deeper into what it means to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and to be a new creation in Christ. So thank you for tuning in. Be blessed and spend some time with your Heavenly Father. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Made to Conquer. Please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends and family anyone else you think would enjoy joining us on this journey of drawing closer to Jesus.